Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post podcast. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. Welcome to the Limerick Post podcast. Woo-hoo. We are Limerick, where we meet people who make Limerick an exceptional place to live. And uh, our guest today is singer-songwriter, award-winning singer-songwriter Emma Langford. And dog enthusiast. I'd and like that to be added to my title. Yeah, we have Breezy here with us today, we in do, case there's any. He's not interested in talking to me today. No. So, uh, Emma, how's everything going? Good. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm on a bit of a break now from touring. Um I kind of announced last year, and I've, I've said it at the start of this year as well, that I'm taking a break from touring, but people have taken that as I'm taking a break, which obviously I can't do, because um, I'm, I'm dedicating these months to writing the new album and collaborating with musicians and doing radio and, and various kind of other things, basically. Behind so, the scenes. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff, just dedicating a bit of time to that, because I, I was doing it last year, obviously, throughout the year but it was really draining trying to do do the gigging and the behind the scenes stuff at the same time so I'd like to just give as much attention as I can to the writing and producing side of things for a while and just see how it goes and come up with some new stuff and just yeah see what happens. But uh, 2018 was a fairly spectacular year for you. It was it was mental. And uh, what are the highs and lows of that year? Um highs would be like loads of the gigs I did I did like I got to tour in uh, Germany quite a bit last year which was really really fun Um, and the gigs like being able to like visibly see the gigs get better and attendance get better and like go to a gig in in the foothills of the Black Forest in Germany and have someone in the audience know one of my songs already and have come specifically to the gig to hear that song and like despite their not having great English, um, like she was in, it was a seduction of Eve and she was just sitting there like in floods of tears crying out. And like moments like that are really like vindicating and they just kind of remind you that you're kind of doing the right thing. I think, you know, it can be a constant process of figuring out whether or not you're on the right path. And then you go to another country and you meet people who believe so deeply in what you're doing they'll come to a gig like eight hours away from where they live to see you do it that's really cool and did you learn a lot about yourself on this tour yeah i think so um i learned what was important and i learned to um wash clothes in a sink <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i suppose the past year like i don't know i don't take myself very seriously generally speaking and i don't like to wax lyrical too much about stuff but last year I got booked for this tour in Vienna um, or this festival in Vienna called Schottenfest. And it's all about the connections between Scottish people, Irish people and Austrian people and how the Scots and the Irish built this whole section of Vienna. So the festival celebrates Irish music and Irish writers and all this kind of stuff. But when I was there, I met Ray Heffernan, who is another singer songwriter. He's based in Italy and he wrote Angels for Abba Williams and he's quite a big deal. But he had this really interesting idea and I'm sure it's not a new one to a lot of people but it's this idea that every seven years we regenerate we reinvent ourselves so and it kind of makes sense because you know you get to 14 and suddenly you're 
you're a teenager kind of growing into an adult and then you get to 21 and society celebrates 21 you know mm-hmm. it's famously celebrated 28 again you're coming close to 30 and you're starting to realize things are changing and you need to start figuring out what you want from life and that was last year for me very much like 28 for me was like just that year when you figure out who who you are and who you're becoming and who you want to be what kind of person you want to project out to the world I think and so last year doing those 100 gigs pushed me very much to my limit and then as well I coordinated the um, Cranberries gig that was a, a real highlight as well in July and just learning how much I had a passion for coordinating stuff and organizing gigs and putting stuff on and and bringing people together so it's kind of set me off on the trajectory of sort of what I want to do now for the long haul which is cool yeah, yeah. and uh, the 100 gigs is that something you planned or a goal no, no just that was totally accidental yeah. yeah it's cool to be able to like I'm applying for all these like art grants and stuff at the moment I'm like oh yeah in 2018 she completed a 100 gig <laughs> tour and it's like total accidental no I was just kind of I was just curious I was on my IMRO IMRO for anyone listening who's not in music or involved in music is the um representative body for musicians throughout ireland to make sure we're looked after it's kind of like a musicians union in a sense um and they run lots of training and upskilling events but i was looking on my uh, you register the gigs you play so um and it's it's only like original material and uh those gigs yeah like basically gigs that i'd be doing where i'd be going out singing my own songs mm-hmm. basically you register those, register those and i was looking at how many i'd done in the past year and I realized that I had seven more to do and I had done exactly 93. And I was like, this is ridiculous. What? <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, it was very really unexpected. Um, and I have no idea if I managed to hit that same target this year, but I'm not trying to because I think I'd probably just melt into a puddle of like desperation. you're taking a break to write some new content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this year is much more focused on that. And uh, you spoke about reinventing yourself every seven years or so. Mm. Uh, you picked up the guitar fairly late in life. I did, yeah. yeah. That was... Um, it, uh, so, I actually started out on drums. When I was like 12 or 13, I really wanted to be a drummer. I started learning drums and it just... Uh, between various things... I mean, a big part of it is our house was never big enough to have a drum set. Um, anywhere that wouldn't drive everyone crazy. So it just didn't work out in that regard. But um, picked up the guitar when I was doing my junior cert initially as a way of procrastinating. So my mom had been trying to push the guitar on me for forever. And then my junior cert rolled around and I was expected to study. And to avoid that, I was like, you know what? I'm suddenly mysteriously really interested in guitar. So picked it up and then, but then it was only like, God, four years ago, I'd say, when I took an actual lesson like fine-tuned my kind of skills and got rid of some of my bad habits because I was doing damage to my wrists from the self-taught approach. You can emulate what you see on the stage, but if unless you learn yourself how to um, do things right, you, you can do kind of real damage to your, yeah. to your wrists and hands. So. And uh, is your mom musical? Or? She is, yeah. Both yeah. my parents are. I would have grown up with a lot of music in the house. Like, they're not musicians as such. Um, they're creatives. They're so. creatives, yeah. They're both painters. Um Mom would have taught me my first chords on the guitar because uh, when she was a kid, she used to, she's from Mosquiton and herself and a few of her pals um, would have, actually a couple of her pals now that w- she grew up with are, are big parts of the staff at the Art World Academy in Uelna, which cool. So they, they kept up the music, which is great. But um, 
they would have had little bands and they would have kind of just had the crack and they, she has a great story of um, herself and her friend growing up going to this I don't know if it was a competition or just a concert in Eskeaton and the two of them went up on stage and they were either side of the stage and uh, they were singing the song in like different keys but didn't realise that that's what was going on so they couldn't hear each other and the two of them launched into the song in different keys each and just kept going through it and acted as if they knew exactly what they were doing and it was some kind of unique kind of harmony so um mom always wanted to be involved in music and i think she just loves kind of seeing me going for it now and now what was the point where you decided a guitar and singing is for me um or it's something i'd like to try it's ongoing (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know um like, I was always singing. I don't think there was ever a time... Like, I got in trouble the whole time as a kid for singing non-stop. I got expelled from play school for singing non-stop. Like, the teacher would give me a direction or give out to me about something, and instead of following that direction, I would sing it back to her. Um, and then in, like, junior infants, I used to just sing all the time, and I got put, put outside the classroom at one point for talking at a turn or something stupid and I got put it and I like just took it as an opportunity to sing so I was sat outside the class while everyone else trying to do work singing at the top of my voice um with no regard for anything um so yeah it's always kind of been a thing and guitar kind of came to me a little bit less naturally and a little bit later in life but like yeah I was always going to do something involved in music I think yeah Mm. and then I think the first time we met was just when you were about to launch your EP Oh, gas. Yeah. That feels the, like forever ago. Yeah, and it was the first interview I did with someone in Limerick, actually. Wow. But uh, that was a crowdfunded EP, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was, yeah. So how, how did it feel having the support from all these people who helped raise a few bob to get you to... It was mad, like... Yeah. I didn't expect... I didn't expect to be able to do it. I didn't expect it to happen as quickly as it happened. Um, And I certainly didn't expect it to, like, be the first step on the path I've been on since, if you get me. Like, that EP kind of came, it, it almost felt like a kind of a project or an experiment to see, can I do this? And then when I did it, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll try another thing that's a bit harder now. And then, <laughs> and it's just kind of been that <laughs> kind of stepping stones of like slightly more difficult things every time ever since then. But um, to get that, like to get that support from people was huge. Like, there were a few friends that supported the EP and... Um, that was really nice but there were total strangers as well that came on board and people in radio random musicians there's a girl in, in Germany a very famous musician called Emma Landford mm. and the two of us often get each other's messages um, she is an R&B dance vocalist and occasionally I'll get a message asking if I'm available to go sing in some club in like Newcastle or something and I'm like I feel like you might have the wrong person <laughs> But sure, I'll do it. <laughs> um, but I, I messaged her a few times just kind of saying, hey, by the way, this is a booking for you, I assume. Um, and she was like, you know, one of these days I'm going to get a booking for you and we should just swap venues. But um, she saw that I was doing this crowdfunder and she shared it on her page and like contributed to the EP and stuff. Nice. And like we've been in contact ever since and she supported my album as well. She's like really nice. So all these very random connections kind of came of it which was quite cool yeah, yeah. and uh, I think tug of war was the 
video you released around then. Mm, yeah. That was the first kind of catalyst for the EP happening and for any of this happening, yeah. really. Yeah. And then when the you remade the video, the first one was a. In a bedroom, I think. Just <laughs> Breezy doesn't like tug of war. Um, yeah, it was um, the. I was in my sister's room, which is now my room. I've been promoted. Hey. What's wrong with you? Oh, what's wrong? Poor Breezy. Take it from there again. I <laughs> He's so done with this. Um, I was in, yeah, I was in my sister's room and the light was gone. The main light was gone. Um, so I just had a lamp to kind of illuminate. I had like all, so I was using a loop pedal at the time to record it. But I, 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 I was, I'd literally just written the song when I recorded it. So I still had all the lyrics and the various steps for the loop pedal written out in front of me. So I had just a lamp shining on that in front of me. And then I was using a kind of a fairly rubbish street busking amp to rec- to project the sound and to get the loop pedal working and everything and I just I just knew the song had something to it um and the way I felt when I wrote it was so strong that I wanted to get it out there and share it with people because I think it was probably what at the time kind of a a rock bottom moment where I was kind of like am I just gonna just give up you know am I just gonna change direction should I do something completely different because I just don't think I'm good enough for this and then I wrote that song and I was like oh I actually really believe in this now this is something I can do and I put it out there and I it just took off and it um it reached people in a way that I think every singer songwriter wants their songs to reach people you know people got it and it gave them and how they felt about things a voice which if you can do that for people you're doing your job right you know, if you can give a voice to people who otherwise don't have a way of expressing how they feel, you're, um, yeah, you're arting, right? <laughs> and how did it feel then to re-release that? How did it feel to go back to Tug of War? It was about a year and a half later. Yeah, years. um, it was great. Uh, I've brought a new band around me now, mm-hmm. and every time I do this song, I like, I'm sure there's a lot of musicians who do this as well. I know the Hot House, House Flowers do, where they reinvent their own songs depending on where they're at in life and what they're interested in. Um, I think it's really, really nice to bring it into a modern context and bring it into a current context and sort of inject your energy into it, the way you feel about things now. You know, the same way you can write, like, let's say you might have a song about heartbreak or, um, or being in love with someone and you write it when you feel that way and then you perform it two years later and you're not in that same situation anymore but you need to find a way to still give it that same energy and passion that you felt when you were writing it so if that means changing the song a little bit or bringing new musicians into it or you know you do what you have to do to make it still relatable and still communicate the message you want to get across so putting the full band around it and recording for the album just it was exactly what the song needed to to keep the energy up and to keep the um, keep the song expressing what I wanted it to say, I think. And uh, in terms of a band, uh, were they involved in like a music scene while you were growing up, or? No, was I involved in the music scene? Yeah. No, not at all, at all, at all, at all. No. I would have gone to gigs. I was a bit of a poser. Yeah. Like I dressed up as I dressed I dressed up as um, I was kind of an emo goth kid. Um, I wore like like black lipstick and lacy gloves and big skater jeans and um, 
what were those shoes? DCs, I think they were, the skater yeah, shoes, the massive chunky ones. Yeah, yeah. I would, I'd worn those quite a bit. Um, and I hung out at gigs, um, loved moshing and loved, I pretended to love metal music. <laughs> I hadn't a clue what was going on most of the time, but that was probably the extent of my involvement when I was younger. Um, I wanted to be a visual artist. I wanted to illustrate kids' books. That was my goal. And then music just kind of happened. So I'm re- I consider myself really lucky to have the musical community around me that I have now, considering it wasn't part of my life growing up. Um, and it's something I'd always have loved. I'd love to have been involved, but um, I just didn't have an in. So yeah. then I just threw myself into it and developed a bit of a brass neck. <laughs> and yeah, just went for it. What way would you describe the musical scene now? It's diverse, yeah, um, and it's it's um, at once really unified and in other ways very disparate. Like there's like there's a really nice vibe in Limerick where everyone supports each other, but at the same time, everyone's so different. You know, um, you've got bands coming out of Limerick. Obviously, you've got the likes of Pow Pig, um, who are almost bringing Limerick back to our punk roots a little bit, which is really cool. So I'm sure bands like the Hitchers and um, uh, you know, musicians like John Steele and all these musicians are kind of seeing a band like Pow Pig and going, yes, it's coming back, which is really cool. Um, but generally speaking, it's it's a lovely, really healthy scene. Uh, I think Limerick could do with a few more uh, venues and stuff um, and, you know, supports like that and maybe a more unified vision for how we can move forward musically in the city. And what I mean by that is just more nights, you know, like in Galway and in Cork, you have designated singer-songwriter nights in some venues and one person runs it and you have three or four singer-songwriters come in and do something. And Shayla Fab provided that for a while. And sadly, they're gone now. But um, I think the energy is there, the talent is there, the spaces are there. So it's just a matter of getting... And I know I'm one of these people who's like, someone needs to make this happen. Um, and I'd love to be in a position to do it. But I think... Uh, 100 gigs a, a year. This is it. Yeah. yeah, we need a musical messiah to come into Limerick and, and, and breathe life into those kind of ideas. That'd be cool. And um, speaking of supports for artists, uh, I listened to the Limerick Lady podcast a while back. Mm. And you spoke about Spotify. Yeah. And a bit of a disdain for it. A slight disdain. Um. How how can people support their artists? Um, going to gigs, I suppose. Mm. Is it is a tough thing. one starting out as an artist now? Yeah. And thinking this is what you want to do, mm. and then when you see you get back point zero zero two cent. Yeah. <laughs> it's disheartening a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you find this yourselves with like writing for for print as well. Like, um, you get you get a lot of people online sort of expressing their support for something but then when it comes down to acting on that support and it manifesting as actually going to events and doing things um it doesn't translate very well you know and the thing with spotify is it's so easy to 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 tune into someone and tune out of them again because it's such a vast place you know there's so much music there um i love spotify in a way because it is so easy to discover new music there. It's a great way to share music. I think that's a huge, huge um, benefit to Spotify is how easy it is to share it. You know, and even if someone doesn't have the app, they can listen to a sample of something and get a sense of what the song is like from it. Um, But then, yeah, it just doesn't translate. So I suppose the way people can support music is by 
going to gigs. That's the biggest thing. I think every musician loves to just have a room full of people. You might not even buy their CD or you might not listen to them on Spotify. Um, but to have someone there for that experience is huge. Um, and that's, I think that's part of why I feel like Limerick could do with those extra venues and those extra nights to showcase music is just to have a culture growing of people attending events and attending music. That'd be cool. Uh, it's, it's not just a podcast, it's also an event that people can attend, the, the Limerick Lady. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah, myself and Anne um, have a few different ideas for how the podcast can evolve, but the Limerick Lady itself, yeah. So we did the I Heart Cranberries event in July last year, and the Limerick Lady had its launch in the Milk Market in 2016. Um, we've had loads of different gigs and events, and the attendance for them has been brilliant. The nice thing with doing something like the Limerick Lady is it's very much part of the zeitgeist at the moment. Um, like gender balance is a huge discussion and people are interested and people are curious to see because it's rare that you see an all-female lineup people want to see how it turns out and they want whether it's um, out of contrarianism of kind of going oh yeah it was exactly as boring as I expected <laughs> or, or <laughs> coming along to see how great it is people want to want to see how it looks to see all women on a stage um, so it's it's quite cool in that regard um and the events have been consistently excellent which is really nice and i'm not part of the events generally speaking so i can say that um i just kind of stand in the background and book the artists to make sure that there's an audience for them so it's nice to be be able to provide that for people and uh so you have your music event organizing your podcast and Mm -hmm. then your love for dogs has yes. shown true. <laughs> yeah. uh, how did the Instagram account come about? It's a uh, Dogs of Limerick, by the way. Yeah. Um, how did it come about? I actually have no idea. I'll have to have a look at the, the Instagram account here and see what the first post was. I feel like... I suppose it's a nice release for you if you're... It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. It's just, it's so silly and such a simple idea. Um... Rufus. So my first post ever was a dog called Rufus. I think he's a golden retriever. That's him. He looks really goofy. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to go into the Dogs of Limerick Instagram account, it's not that old. So the, the, the first post is back in 2017. It's pretty easy to find. So I think I saw him and I wanted to share a picture of him. Couldn't justify doing it on my own Instagram account. <laughs> um, because it would distract from the message. Um, not really, to be honest, I post about dogs all the time, but I just wanted a designated place people could go and see the good dogs around Limerick, yeah. basically. Um, people, people love seeing dogs in their timeline. It makes people happy. So I just wanted to be Is part of Is there ever a point you're following a dog with a phone and the owners are thinking, well, what's going on here? Oh, almost certainly. <laughs> I feel like such a pervert a lot of the time. <laughs> I call myself a dog pervert. Like, do you know, you see these kind of like moments in tv where a guy is like watching a girl's ass walking past kind of thing i'm like that with dogs so like i'll see a dog walking past and i'm like ooh, check that out nice <laughs> like following it with my phone subtly <laughs> kind of thing and by the way i do not <laughs> by any means condone that behavior on behalf of men um but i'm just saying you see it in films all the time i'm that person with dogs so yeah that's that's kind of how it happened and i just wanted a place also i just wanted to be able to walk up to people on the street and be like hi sorry i actually curate an account an instagram account dedicated to dogs could i please pet your dog it's an excuse yeah. <laughs> and a damn good one yeah so 
So, uh, as we said, 2018 was a big year for you. Mm. Uh, you won the emerging, best emerging folk artist. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. RTE, it's the, so I have to, yeah, remember what the full thing is. <laughs> the RTE Radio 1 Folk Awards is the thing. And then Best Emerging Artist. Yeah. So they're going to have to streamline that name. <laughs> <laughs> so Such a long hashtag. <laughs> did you actually get a chance to soak in everything on the night? Or was it all just a blink of an eye type? Um, like I've, I've kind of said it to people. I'm, I kind of resented winning it a little bit because there was like a really great opportunity after the event to be back in the artist bar and like talking to people and mingling and making connections. But I was in so much shock after winning it that I was stuck in this awful limbo mode between feeling like I needed to throw up um, and needing a drink. Um, and I wasn't sure which I needed. And I just kind of stood around with my mouth open, a bit shocked at what had happened all night. So I'm, I think it was kind of only December when I fully absorbed what had happened. There was a moment I was lying in bed. I have no idea what prompted it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, holy moly, that happened. That actually happened. Like, My sister sent me this video of... Um, my my picture being projected up onto the screen and they were going through the different nominees and Maria Doyle Kennedy was on the stage and they played a little snippet of Quiet Giant over my name being read out kind of thing. And it was just that moment of like, I think the video showed, like my sister was sat at the back of the room and it showed like all of the heads in the audience kind of looking up at the screen and seeing my face up there and hearing the song played. And it was that real moment of reality of like, you did this. Like, this is a thing that actually happened. All these people in this room heard your name, saw you winning this award. Like, that was bizarre. It was so weird. But it was it was that moment of seeing the perspective of the back of the room and how it actually looked. Because I was sat up right at the very front in front of the stage. So I, I couldn't really even take it in at the time. But yeah, it's been mad. And reflecting on the win now, what does it mean to you as an artist? Um, I think... It, it kind of it's put my name on the radar for industry professionals maybe um made my name a bit more recognizable um i don't know really i haven't seen yet but i suppose i've got a booking agent now for germany which is something i never thought i'd be able to say <laughs> and she's listed on my you know on my posters she's got me listed as like rt radio and folk award winner kind of thing and those little things that will make someone look at a poster and go, oh, interesting, cool. I'll go check her out because obviously there's something to her if she won an award by the national broadcaster kind of thing. Those kind of little moments um, have made a big difference. Um, and it's just brought me a little bit closer to realising a few dreams. Um, but as I said earlier, every time you achieve one thing, you're just looking at the next more difficult thing and how to get there. So I don't know. I don't know what any of the award stuff means really. I kind of was looking at all the top 10 albums and the top 10 artists and ones to watch for 2019 and all this stuff. And it's just getting a bit annoying because it's like, it takes a lot of the value out of what we're doing as artists when you're relying on those kind of weird accolades yeah. for, you know, um, approval as an artist. Like what we're doing as musicians and artists is telling stories and expressing ourselves and saying something about the world that might change the world. And I don't think awards do that. Um, they might help us get out a little bit further and maybe make people who don't understand music sit up and pay attention. Um, but beyond that, I don't, I don't really know what any of it means. I suppose if you're 
more visible yeah, yeah. sell your story to others absolutely right. yeah and we have to appreciate that as well yeah. it makes a big difference you just love for it to be as easy as just being able to head out on the road and people will just come to gigs because they want to come to gigs but it's never going to happen that way unfortunately so you have to do this stuff you have to play the game a little bit and with a bit of time off this year working on songs do you think you'll have an album done this year or um the goal be... is to release it at the end of the year or the start of next year um Years fly by very quickly. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly they fly by. Um, I thought I thought spring would drag, you know, if I wasn't gigging, but the, the months are filling up and different projects are kind of coming out of the woodwork now for the rest of the year. So um, the, the year is dedicated really to figuring out what it is I want to say with this next album. Um, I think I have a pretty clear idea, but by the time it comes out, that could change completely. Uh, the songs on the next record are going to be kind of telling stories about the rest of the world. So Quiet Giant was very introspective um, and it sort of showcases my songwriting and my musical ability and my stories from when I started writing music to today, whereas the next album is all new material and it's looking outward at the world a bit more and it's like it's doing that thing that I want to do of like telling other people's stories and giving a voice to people who can't um, express what it is they want to say about how they feel um so figuring out how to actually communicate a lot of that stuff is the next step um talking to the band and bringing it to producers and figuring out who the people are that I want to work with and who my team are going to be going forward that's that's a big part of this year so yeah and um you recently got a grant to help you with this I did yeah, yeah. so it's just it's a few quid just to basically take the pressure off for a couple of months um it means that I'm not going out of my way to find gigs it, it gives me the space to be more selective with the gigs I play basically which is very beneficial for a creative yes person. hugely um like I wouldn't change a moment of last year really I learned so much about myself musically and personally maybe a bit more sleep or something yeah <laughs> yeah that would be good um establishing a routine yeah. it's very hard when you're self-employed or when you're freelance as i'm sure you know yourself to develop any kind of routine or sleeping pattern or eat regularly any of that kind of stuff so uh actually kind of part of this year for me is establishing that of it um, going to the gym, <laughs> learning to drive. <laughs> this kind of stuff benefit your yeah, process. Absolutely. Well, right? Yeah, when I'm not worried about that stuff, I can focus on what's important. So, uh, something I ask everybody that comes on the show is how Limerick has changed. Okay. Since I don't know, the last ten years or so, when you were when you were growing up, um, it's very different Limerick now. To yeah, it is. There's oh, there was like this really nice place called Javas. I don't know if, uh, if the guys have mentioned it. But when I was growing up, Javas was the place to be. Um, it was Hipster Central. It was on Catherine Street. Um, and they made the best hot chocolates. And they had this like chocolate muffin with ice cream thing. And they had chips. And like everyone would go in there. Like you'd have a table full of teenagers sitting in there sharing one bowl of chips kind of thing. Um, so you can see why it closed down. <laughs> but uh, they had this uh, hanging... Uh, basket chair upstairs as well that everyone would fight to get to everyone wanted to be in this in the swinging chair kind of thing and it was just this really magical place that captured the spirit of limerick this sort of uh undercurrent of creativity and 
and fun and quirkiness that has always been part of Limerick's character. And I think there's always going to be a jab as in Limerick, you know. There was um, Ruth Green set up this drummy teacup and then Leslie Ann Ladan set up Shayla Fab. And there's, there's always going to be somewhere like that in Limerick, which is really, really nice. Um, but I really miss Jabba's. And it's where I would have met a lot of people and formed some of my longest running friendships kind of thing. That was when I was a teenager. And uh, I suppose the landscape has changed physically, but there's, you know, the heart of the place is still very much the same. Um Limerick is still this quirky, weird, dark, creative little place um, that I I always love kind of coming home to. Um, it's a great place to to just chill out and feel like people know you. It's a bit of a there's kind of like a Cheers vibe to Limerick sometimes, you know. Everybody knows your name, <laughs> um, and you get a bit of a sense of that sometimes. And it's it's lovely. It's lovely in in most ways. <laughs> And what would you like to see in Limerick in the future? What would what would you like Limerick to change or uh, more dogs? <laughs> a dog park. Um, it's actually a very dog friendly city. It is a really dog friendly city. Yeah, I was just talking last night on Twitter about um, about that with Finton Walsh. Um, we were just chatting about how Limerick has really grown into this lovely dog friendly vibe. You're seeing more and more people out walking their dogs. And uh, cafes and, and shops are more open now to people coming in with their pets, which is really nice as well. It's very, and bars, uh, very yeah. European. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, um, I think it's happening a little bit with the waterfront. I'd love to see. I'd love to see a waterfront that when you're coming into Limerick from any angle, people are seeing something beautiful. Celebrate the river. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. There. Like for so long, there's this big ugly grey building on the front of the city. That's like the first thing people see is like this big grey building. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't do the place any favors. Um, and kind of a consistent presence in the city of um, uh, keeping the place clean and maintaining places and keeping it looking well. That'd be lovely to see because there's there's lots of ideas and lots of gorgeous street art going up. It's just kind of making it sustainable I think would be great but um beyond that yeah I can't think of any other things that I would like to see in the city and you think the creativity is starting to prosper again yeah I think so Mm -hmm. um there's this really cool night uh I'm sure you've heard of it the cabaret night Um, My friend Laura Lavelle runs it and she is an incredible burlesque performer and little things like that I think are what really show how different Limerick is now. Um, I can't imagine a burlesque or cabaret night having taken off in any big way when I was growing up just because Ireland is changing, you know, our mentalities and how liberal we are and open-minded we are is changing. But um, yeah, there's, there's a really cool little subculture growing in Limerick now a creative one which is great to see it's really nice and it means that people of all walks of life and all persuasions have a space to be which is nice excellent mm. and uh, before we go mm-hmm. where can people keep up to date with Emma Langford literally anywhere they can't <laughs> get away from me um, any newspaper um, on a <laughs> weekly basis <laughs> just just open the paper I'm there somewhere um also facebook uh, i'm just emma langford music on facebook um twitter instagram dogs of limerick on instagram as well um i don't really use snapchat that's the only one i don't really use uh, i don't think i'm hip and young enough to get it 
<laughs> but they'd be the main places you, you took up guitar leads so you might take up snapchat who knows yeah i did it for a while i was doing this thing of, called snapster pieces um where i would do really elaborate cartoons and drawings on snapchat but i just lost interest i couldn't do it anymore <laughs> so um yeah if you're i mean i'm there i am on snapchat but i don't do anything on it so and then that's where people can follow you so where can they support you by your album um my album is available in i think it's still in steamboat music um in steamboat key who are undergoing a very cool renovation at the moment so call in there for a variety of reasons um it's in golden discs i think they only have it in golden discs cork actually now i think it's gone from golden discs i'm working it's sold out um where else am i Power Records Dublin. I don't think... I have to, like, distribute my album and vinyl to more places. And you um, sell it at your own gigs and stuff. I sell it at my own gigs, yeah. But I'm not gigging a whole lot at the moment, mm-hmm. so I need to get my stuff out there into shops. Um, oh. Or you can just come to Germany and buy them off me at gigs <laughs> there. I'm in Germany in April, March and April, so... Is it March and April or April and May? April and May, yeah. So just come to Germany. Be grand. You can pick I'll up see a you there. CD or a vinyl. Or a vinyl. Or a vinyl. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be worth the trip. thanks for joining us Emma cheers my pleasure the Lyric Post podcast you've been listening to We Are Limerick a Limerick Post podcast for more news sport entertainment and more podcasts visit limerickpost.ie